0: Today is July 10th, 2016. The title of today's message is Swords and Shovels. Swords and Shovels. <clears throat> One of the things that we've, we've uh, long since agreed to here as a church is that our sermons, the prerequisite for our sermons is that it has to be something that's impacting us and something that we've been reading in the Word this week. So we're not trying to pull anything out from the past, we're not trying to do a a sermon series, we're not trying to do anything else other than finding out what God is speaking to us right now. So I have to tell you that my experience over the last week or week and a half is that just about everybody that I'm talking to is finding something and they're having to fight for their family. They're having to fight for for achieving the goal that God has for them. There's a, there's a bullseye somewhere out there and they're trying to figure out how to get to where God is going. Whether it's jobs, whether it's uh, children, whether it's finances, whether it's uh, husband and wives talking, whether it's whatever it is, almost every conversation I've had this week has been about that topic. Just in, a, in about a hundred different ways, but they all kind of seem, when you pull back far enough, you go, I'm really talking about one thing. With everybody that we have, so um, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter fifteen. Genesis fifteen. And I want to encourage you with the word this morning. Amen. Genesis fifteen, and we're going to start actually just in verse eleven. Genesis fifteen eleven. So Genesis fifteen is God's covenant with Abram, one of the most powerful one of the most divine inspired moments that a human being has ever had between a human and God Himself. Captured here in Genesis chapter 15. Now I want you to see what Genesis 15, 11 says. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses. So Abram is preparing a sacrifice before the Lord. He's cutting animals in half. He's laying the birds out whole. He's doing all these things. And the Lord is about to come through with a very his very fire, his very presence. He's going to confirm this covenant with Abram. In the middle of this process that's taking hours to fulfill, this happens. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. In the most holy moment that you can possibly imagine, there are things that you're going to have to drive away out of your life. There are things that are going to get in there and try to steal away the very sacrifice that you are laying before the God of all creation. You would think that in that moment there would be some Holy Ghost barrier, right? Some impenetrable bubble between you, between Abram and God where nothing negative could maybe even think about happening. But the Bible inserts this one verse to remind us that we are always going to have to contend for what the Lord has given us. We're always going to have to contend for what the Lord has made promises to us about. If He's giving you a word, if He's given you a direction in your life, I can promise you. I can assure you, you will have to fight for it. Amen. There's no way around that. Take a look at Psalm chapter 35. Psalm 35. Say "There when you are there." All right, we've got three. I love, I love the book of Psalms because it is so like our lives. In one moment, you can hear the exultation Great is the Lord, let's praise his name. In another moment, David's saying something like, Why so downcast, O my soul? You get the heights of humanity, you get the depths of despair, but you just keep reading, right? Because it, it shows, it, actually, it accurately reflects who we are. Pick me on a certain day, man, maybe I feel like I'm, you know. I can do what Moses did. In other days, I'm not sure that I can tie my shoes correctly. Just depends on which day you catch me, right? Here's what Psalm 35 says. This is a Psalm of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Isn't that a good prayer? (laughs) Hey, Lord, I'm a little tired of having to do some of these things on my own. I'm having to fight for a lot of things here. Would you help me in this fight? Would, would, you, would you come and contend with those who are, who are working against me? Would you fight against them so that I'm not all by myself in this fight? Take up shield and buckler. Arise and come to my aid. I don't know about you guys, but there have been times recently and that's been my cry. Lord, you've got to help me. You've got to come in here and help because I'm not quite sure what's going on, but we want to move forward. Turn to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. And we're going to read verse 25. It says this. But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those. David is asking for that to happen. Lord, would you contend with those who contend against me? And here in Isaiah, the Lord is saying, I will contend with those who contend with you, and your children I will save. The, the idea of this, of what you're assigned to do, He said, I promise I'll get to it. I promise that I'll help you accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. Turn to the book of Jude. Turn to the book of Jude, right before Revelation. And we're going to look at verse 3. There's only one chapter, so it's just verse 3. Jude 3 says this Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Not only do we have to contend for what God is doing in our life, there's a contention that we have, a fighting that we must do for the whole entirety of what God has promised everyone. You realize that there are some times, if you look, let's look in, uh, let's turn back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. So look at Exodus 14, 13. Here's what it says. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Can I just encourage you guys this morning? Don't be afraid. Whatever's going on in your life, do not be afraid. If there are troubles and difficulties that are there, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. So what is their assignment in Exodus 14? Stand firm. Don't be afraid and stand there. Let's watch God do what He's going to do. Just stand there. Now turn a few pages over to Exodus chapter 17. So we get Exodus 17 and let's start in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. If you've been coming on Foundation on Mondays, you remember this from a few weeks ago. They just, they just got brought out. They just walked through the Red Sea. They just had manna. They just had water from the rock. And immediately these guys are attacked. They're attacked by the Amalekites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go to fight the Amalekites. We know that Moses stands there with his staff held above his head. Why is it that in some times all we're supposed to do is stand firm and watch him do it? And other times... We're supposed to go out, and there was a battle that was fought. Men had to be selected. They had to go out on the battlefield, led by Joshua, and actually confront the enemy. Have you ever wondered about that? Which set of rules am I supposed to be going by here? Do I just stand firm, or do I have an assignment that I'm supposed to do, and while I'm doing it, that God will come through for me? Was it not miraculous? Wasn't this miraculous in Exodus 17? Moses holds his hands up with a staff. And when he gets tired, they put a rock underneath him so he can sit. And Aaron and Hur hold up his hands because he's getting weak. So they stand with him. And every time his arm was fully raised, the people of Israel were winning the battle. That's showing you that there's a spiritual connection here, but there were actually people out on the battlefield. Joshua was actually out with sword and shield and spear and fighting. I'm going to encourage you today. Whether God tells you to stand firm or whether he says pick up a sword, it's still him that's going to bring the the victory, but our assignment in this shows our faith to him. For some of us, it takes a whole lot more faith for me to just stand sometimes. Oh, I want to make this happen. Oh, I want to do something here. Lord Lord's saying, just stand there. Don't do anything. Like a little kid, right? Sit there and be still. That is the worst thing to tell a little, you know, four-year-old boy, right? You see our guys up here when we're praying for them right before they go back, right? That's, that's why I'm just kind of bouncing back and forth. Nope. All right. Put a hand on them. Be still. Okay. Okay. I, I resemble that. I resemble that in my faith. The Lord's saying, Be still. Okay. I completely resemble that because the Lord's just saying, I've got this for you. I want you to stand and see my deliverance. And other times he's saying, Get your sword in your hand and go, and I'll be with you there as well. Amen. Amen. We have to fight for the vision. Uh, JJ did a great job on Friday night teaching in our Discipleship Helps class. Trying to find the destiny, the vision, the mezuzah statement for your life. If you missed that, please get with JJ or get with one of us so we can catch up on that. It's a powerful time that we had. I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We have to pick the right battles to fight. Have you, learned, have you had to learn as a married person there are some battles you need to fight? Yes. You got, you got to pick the right battles, right? Sometimes it's the right battle and not the right time. You know what that makes it? The wrong battle. <laughs> if you're a parent and you've dealt with children or if you're a teacher and you've dealt with kids, you know there are some things that every time it happens, you're going to pick that fight. There are some things you're just like, well... I'm just worn out a little bit today, right? We have to learn how to pick and Nehemiah is going to help us to pick the right battles. Nehemiah is going to show us the right battles that we should be fighting. Nehemiah chapter 4, are you there? Let's start in verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. By the way, if you ever do anything for the Lord, there are going to be people that are angry at you just because you're doing something. Didn't that happen to you, Chris, at work? Chris becomes an actual, bona fide, real deal believer. And people start getting angry with him everywhere he goes because he's speaking out for Christ. Same thing with Peyton. Same thing. These things happen immediately when we have the Spirit of God come upon us, there will be others who have a different spirit that say, I don't like that dude. Good. All right. At least we know who's on what side right now. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. (laughs) Kind of redundant statement, right? He was angry and he was really mad too. They're trying to show you that this was not just a small... He was perturbed. He was violently angry at at, um, Nehemiah. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of uh, Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? You ever had somebody come against you with their words like this? By the way, it was not Nehemiah's plan to try to rebuild the wall in a day, right? But these are the insults. One of the things that we have to battle is we have to battle with the words and thoughts of other people. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed upon it, he would break down their walls of stone. (laughs) What do you think you're doing? Going to that little church over there? That little weird church up in a storefront somewhere? Smells like gasoline from from the lawn people next door half the time? You go there? For real? Man, if even a fox, if even the smallest little creature... Got up on what you're trying to build in your life, it's going to fall to pieces. Uh, Family, I know that there are members in here who have who have had family that have said basically these things. You're crazy. Why are you going with them instead of us? I mean, what we have, I mean, aren't wouldn't the Word of God teach you to be loyal to your family? Yeah, but Mark three says, "Who are my brothers and my mother and my sisters? Those that what do the will of the Father. That's my family." I'm not teaching us to turn our back on our natural family. What we do is we invite them to come where we are. This is where we are. This is where the Spirit of God is. Come be with me. But that's never what our family wants. They want us to go to them. They want to pull us away from where actually the power of God is. Hey, you guys, that little church ain't going to do anything. It's all right. You go ahead and say whatever it is that you think you want to say to us. But these are real battles, aren't they? Uh, when we were growing up, uh, we, would not, we did not teach our kid the little children to Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie. That is a lie. Words can sometimes be the most harming thing to us. Someone can say a word and it cuts us down on the inside. At least with a scratch or a broken bone, you do something on it and you see that there's an injury and it heals and you know that it's healed. Sometimes we get things down on the inside of us because of words that's much harder to get out. You can't see the splinter that's caused by words. You can't see the gash that's caused by someone's word into your heart. You can't see the brokenness that's uttered from someone you trust and someone you love and they say something to you and it crushes you. Maybe you haven't had that experience, but I have. We have to battle through these things. This is one of the battles that we must face. If we're going to hit the target, if we're going to hit the bullseye of what God has in our lives, I can say, oh, it's no big deal. But I I have to understand the fact that there is an actual battle here. And I have to deal with it appropriately. Oh, what they said didn't hurt me. Amen. If it didn't, then it didn't. But if it did, you have to deal with it and battle through. You know, actually, what they said was very, very damaging to me. But I choose to live by faith and listen to God's words spoken to me, and not another man's words, not another family member's words, not my boss's words, maybe not even the words that I'd like to speak over myself. The battle of the words. Turn to Psalm. uh, Keep your place there in in Nehemiah. Turn to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5. And let's start in verse 7. Okay, we're going to start in verse 4 just for the fun of it. Psalm 5, verse 4. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave and with their tongue they speak deceit. Isn't that an interesting way, that, that phrase? <laughs> their throat is an open grave. They're just spewing forth death and trying to, trying to derail you from God's plan for you all the time. You probably can name people. <laughs> you could probably name situations who this may reflect on them, right? Turn to Proverbs 18 real quick. Proverbs 18. Verse 4, Proverbs 18, 4, it says this The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Why are they deep waters? Proverbs 4 says that out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, because it's showing you something that's far. That's much more than, uh, have you ever said something you shouldn't have said, and then you tried to do the, I was just joking. I mean, it was just a joke. No, really, it was okay. Problem is, is we've let something out of our, from down deep, that we were embarrassed once it came out, and we went, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And instead of us being honest and say, hey, I shouldn't have said that, clearly that revealed something in my heart that shouldn't be there. Please forgive me. We say, I was just joking. No, you weren't. Because the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. But the fountain of the wisdom is a bubbling brook. It's live, it's full of life. Let's go back to Nehemiah. Let's look at verse 7. I'm sorry, let's look at verse 6. It says So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. <laughs> For the people worked with all of their heart. Let me encourage you guys. There's a perseverance that's required for us to do this. You could work with all of your heart. And at this point, it's just halfway done. Working as hard as you can. Ah, ah, What else? How far along are you? 23%. <laughs> Amen. Amen. At least we're going in the right direction. They got half the wall up. It's half the height that it's going to be. And they've been working like crazy, dealing with battling through the words, right? In Verse 7, it says this But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod. Well, that's an interesting crew. Sounds like the beginning of a silly joke, right? Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead, they couldn't dissuade him through the battle of words. So it's, the project is continuing forward and the gaps were being closed, they were all very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. (laughs) Wait, you're going to come and plot to fight them and stir up trouble? Not just fight them, but I will battle you and I'm just going to cause you trouble. Right? So here we have the battle... Or schemes there's a plan, there's a plot that come that comes into action when you're reading in Hebrews 12, um, can you put up Hebrews 12:1 for me therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles we kind of wrap that up as all sin, right there are things that are sinful in our lives and there are things that just entangle us. There are things that just get in our way. There are things that just distract us. There are things that just come in and there's a fight that these guys are trying to bring and they just want to stir up trouble. I don't even want to get you to fight with me. I just want to pester you. Pastor Matt and I were studying this morning. Got here around 6 o'clock. We're studying the Word together. And there are these little gnats. They're in the office. And it felt like every time you wanted to talk, there's one that's like, And I can tell that I'm now over 40 because if they get too close, it's a, little, it's a little blurry. And I'm like, whoa. We're spazzing out the entire time we're in there because there's enough of them that just enough to aggravate you. The enemy actually is great at using little things to just aggravate you. Just to get you off your game, just to get you distracted enough that you forget you're running with a purpose. It's not sin, well obviously if it's sin we have to deal with that and we have to deal with that immediately. And there are the things, the schemes of the enemy that come in there and just try to that bank account that just won't quite work right. The the guy who's supposed to come and repair your whatever and they give you a you know, I'll be there sometime this month between eleven AM and eleven PM. It's just annoying. Just annoying. But there are schemes that the enemy uses, and sometimes we don't give it credit that enough of these things build up in your life, and you're off track, and the devil never, never really had to fight you. Never really had to put you down. Why? Because now you're just off in the weeds somewhere. When my kids were little, uh, I, I, I taught, or uh, I was a coach for, for Gabe's soccer team. It was a U6, so they were under six years old soccer. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life. Watching little U6 people play soccer? I, I promise to you, it was like herding cats. We'd be in the game. I'm out there on the field with it. Come on, guys, we can do this. And I had a kid just sit down in the middle of the field just start picking flowers. <laughs> Get up! What are you doing? It's soccer, man. This is serious. Hey, coach. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we can get distracted when we're on the field trying to be doing something. We can get distracted and be like, Oh, look, a butterfly. There's a reason that the Bible compares us to sheep. You know what happens to a sheep, a lamb? When they're eating, they have a tendency to put their head down. They kind of lose consciousness of what's around them and they just eat their way to wherever they end up. They can completely get derailed and away from the group just because they put their head down and they didn't notice that everybody else was somewhere else. They get up and look around and go, uh oh. All we like sheep have gone astray. It's not flowers in our life, it's not grass that we're trying to eat, it's work, it's our home life, it's the pressures that are there, it's the next goal. It's the next thing. Turn to, keep your place there and turn to Second Corinthians chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two, and verse eleven. Say there when you are there. there. Second <clears throat> there. There. Corinthians two eleven. It says this. The whole context of this passage is forgiveness for sinners, forgiving each other. And in verse 11 it says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We have to be alert. When we don't forgive other people, by the way, it causes us to become blind to what the enemy's schemes are. When we don't continually go back to the Word of God as our reference point, it causes us to not be able to see the schemes that the enemy has we just walk right on into it not even being aware that it's there turn to ephesians chapter 6 ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 Ephesians 6:10 says this finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god do you know this passage Yes, most people in the room know this, right? You go on, you know that we're about to list out the armor of God. I have to be honest with you. I tend to not say this next part in my brain. I skip when I hear the full armor of God. I already say, "Ooh, I know what the full armor is. And I start reciting that instead of reading out verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Wait a minute. It says it right there. I need the armor of God upon me so that I can battle His schemes. Wow, it must be much more important than I think it is sometimes. I forget sometimes I'm in an actual battle, a spiritual uh, battle that's going on that I have to continue to fight. And just because I walk out on the battlefield and I forget where I am, doesn't mean that the enemy has forgotten where he is or where I am. I've got to put on the full armor of God so that I can stand against what the enemy's trying to do, what he's trying to steal, what he's trying to take from me, what he's trying to take from you. Back to Nehemiah. Does that make sense to you? Yes. <clears throat> Verse 8, Nehemiah 4, 8. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. It's just interesting how... Sometimes I, I want to read through the Scripture too quickly and I have to slow myself down. Fight and stir up trouble. Verse 9, But we prayed to our God and posted a guard. You know how you start fighting the enemy's schemes here? You put on the full armor. And what did they do? They prayed and they posted a guard. You're going to fight and stir up trouble. So you know what they did? They prayed. And they put somebody standing watch there. We've got to have both. We've got to have a spiritual understanding and we're going to put our hand to do the work that God called us to do. Right? Let's go on. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over wherever you turn they will attack us. So the next battle that we have to take care of is the battle of rubble and rumors. The battle of rubble, halala, rubble and rumors. Go back to verse 10. The strength of the laborers is giving out. Have you ever gotten to the point where you're just fatigued? You're just plugging right along and it's not that you don't know what to do. It's not that you don't want to do what you're supposed to do. You're just tired. When we were in Africa a few months ago, uh, the first day that we were there in Africa, it was 46 degrees Celsius. 117, 116, 117 degrees. Um, it was hot. And one of the days we went about 80 kilometers away from the rest of civilization as we knew it, and we were building a house, uh, a building a church structure. And we were out there, and there were two ladders. So it was Pastor Eric and me. And they had no drills. We had Ed, Ed, Baj was there, too. Baj was the the supervisor keeping us in line, cracking the whip, making sure that we got back to it. We had super long nails and super hard wood and a hammer and a building to build. We We were hammering away. We were putting things up, loving the Lord, enjoying the 900 degree heat. Amen. Can I just tell you that gets tiring after a while? I'm hammering at one point, and I turn, and I look at Gabe Stevens, who's there, and I was like, Gabe, take the hammer from my hand. And so he put his hand out like this. I said, Gabe, I can't let go of the hammer. I need you to actually pull it out of my hand. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Thanks. <laughs> After a while, I literally, I've never had my hand freeze to anything likes to talk about the mighty man that their hand froze to the sword. I literally had that happen because we were getting dehydrated and muscles were cramping and I, I couldn't open my hand. And you know what you do? You try to start learning how to <laughs> nail left-handed. <laughs> I uh, whatever it takes, you just keep going, right? But there are times in our lives when we get fatigued and tired of doing what we are. In this case, it's the rubble. It's, it's the matter that's been there from the past. All this stuff that we never really cleaned out, we've, we've advanced beyond it, but it's still kind of laying around. I'm, I'm kind of a clutter freak at the house. If I'm going to actually study, I hate clutter. Most of the time I, can li- I, I might be able to live with it. If I'm going to actually try to do anything productive, I can't stand clutter. I can't breathe. I'm like... Amen. I did it. Go. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend like that's a godly feature on me. And hey, so what clutter do you have in your own heart? What clutter do you have going on in your life? That's stuff that you've already really conquered, it's stuff that you should be over, and it's really you've it's it's done, it's just in a pile of of stuff around you, but you haven't taken care of it and got it out of the way. Have you ever found yourself working somewhere and you just, like, if you've got a ladder and you're trying to just work around things until you, you go, wait, let me just move this. Let me just make it easier on what I'm doing. Let me clear out this space so that I can work effectively. Yeah. What do you need to clear out in your life? What rubble do you need to get rid of so that you can work effectively for the King of Kings? Do you still have, do you still have debt that you shouldn't have lingering around? Just rubble. Stuff that's been there from the past is long since gone. You've already used it up. can't even remember what the debt was for. Maybe that's just being rubble in your life and keeping you from being... You know when you do spring cleaning? I used to feel so excited when I was a teacher and a principal. I was like, I just cleaned my desk. Nobody else may know how clean it is now, but I feel so much better. Why? Because things were in order. There's something about us getting things in the right order in our life that brings peace to our soul. Yes? Rubble and the rumors. The strength was giving out because of the rubble. Before they see us, they'll be right here. Okay, the enemy's going to come and he's just going to sneak up on me and no matter which direction I go, this is not going to work out. These are rumors. These are rumors caused by fear in our life. You know that thing you're praying for? It's really I mean, I I want to believe that it's gonna happen, but but maybe I just have maybe maybe when I got that speeding ticket the other day, God doesn't want to give it to me anymore. How fast were you going, man? How about we are assured in the Word of God in Psalm one hundred thirty eight that He will fulfill His purposes for me? He will do it in me. Lord, I stand before You and if I need to correct something, I will correct it. I'm not hard-hearted towards Him. Do you know what He's going to do? He is going to fulfill His will in me. I don't have to be the strong one. I'm going to keep going forward and go, God, I need You. I need You to help me in this battle so that the rumors even that I'm hearing from other people or that I'm hearing from myself do not overwhelm me. Take a look at verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, at the exposed places. Where are your exposed places? One of the most important things I found is this. One of the things I love most about this church. There's a list a mile long of what I love about my church. I love that Matthew Piro and Eric Stevens are my brothers. Not by DNA, but by by, but, but by Christ. And that where I have low points in my life where I'm a bit exposed, where I don't quite do things, haven't quite figured it all out yet, I have my brothers who can stand there and guard me in those areas. I have people like Charlie Brown and Baj Eregina and Steve Richards who do the same thing to me. And they say, perhaps you didn't realize, but this is an exposed part. You're vulnerable here and you need to be careful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's it's like oil upon my head when I get correction. Thank you so much. This is exactly what Nehemiah does here. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. I want you to pay specific attention to Nehemiah 4.14. Don't be afraid of them. Huh, I think we've already heard that today. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What does it say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord your God and he is great. And what? There is a, this, is, this is a great pattern for our lives right here. Don't be afraid. Well, if I don't do this, then the job doesn't work out, and I don't get enough money, and then my family... Just calm down for a minute. Don't be afraid. You've got to remember, if you just start off here and you go, okay, great, I won't be afraid. What helps you to not be afraid? When you focus and see how good God is. When you realize that He is perfect and all His ways are perfect, that He is just and righteous, He does no wrong. I can trust Him. He is good. He is a good Father trying to work things out in me. If it's adversity, it's because I need it. If it's difficult, it's because He wants me to work through it with His strength. I remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I love that. <laughs> totally awesome, right? And fight for your brothers. Fight for it. Contend for it. Go after it. Uh, we had some friends spent the, the a few nights with us last weekend. Two particular uh, ladies, and they're both fighting for their families. And both of them are at the point where... This is very hard for them to do. They haven't really thought about this. And so they're really struggling. They're trying to just get to the fight and fight the good fight. But they don't have any energy left to fight. It's been this way for 15 years. What can I do to possibly change it? You can do exactly what God tells you to do. My wife gave incredibly good godly counsel. And she did not patronize She said, you need to work harder to do what the Lord is telling you to do. But she's already tired. She's already worn out. Do what God says for you to do. That's the only way that you can win this. Don't be afraid. Remember how great and awesome our God is and fight for it. Fight for it. Develop a plan for it. Go after it. Day and night and night and day unceasingly because that's the strength. We're going to labor with all of His strength that He makes manifest in us. Amen. Because He's worth it. Because the goal of this thing is worth it. What's the other alternative? Be fearful, you forget about God, and you have no fight. That sounds like a great plan. Way to go. Let's keep up with that plan. Of course not. This is how we are successful. We fight with, we fight with His strength. Amen? That reminds me of... Um, Susie, can, can you put up James 4, 7 on the screen? <laughs> I I thought I just thought about, thought about this this morning. The Bible says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you start off just resisting the devil, you've forgotten part of this instruction that the lord is giving i'm going to resist him i'm going to resist him great how about you start off with submitting to him i'm going to submit to his will because it buries the fear in me i'm going to resist him by remembering what god has done by remembering that i am a child of god that i have a purpose in my life i'm not just here taking up oxygen i have something that god has called me to do i will not i will not no i will not I'm going to resist him. He's trying to tell me to quit. I'm not going to quit. He's trying to tell me to be discouraged. I choose not to be discouraged. He's telling me to to come over here. I'm I'm going to walk exactly in what God tells me to walk in. I have no other option. I'm going to resist him. And what happens? Because I'm fighting against him, he's going to take off. You realize he doesn't take off in the first second though, right? Well, that would be easy. I submit to you, Lord... Devil, I resist thee. Bam. Sounded more holy because I said thee. I don't know. I was just <laughs> thee. Right? It's because you need to understand this progression that goes here. I'm going to keep fighting. And if I feel like I'm losing today, I'm going to keep fighting. I don't know if, you, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in an actual fight. fight. Fist fight. I do not recommend it. There's a time in there when you're tuffling back and forth with somebody. I I lived in the hood growing up. I did. It's true. And so every once in a while outside of my house, before I could get back in for playing outside, I would have neighborhood friends who would like to see if they could keep me from getting inside of my house. And we'd have to go at it. It's an interesting thing when you're tussling back and forth with somebody. At least me, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. And then you realize, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to take care of this here in just a second. Oh. There was some point that would happen in those things and I'd be like, all right, I'm all right. This one, I'm going to win. There were others that you'd get to and you're like, I need somebody to come by. (laughs) I need somebody to help me. I need my daddy to come outside of the house. I'm not sure about this one. When you fight enough with the strength that the Lord has, you keep fighting and, to, and then you'll feel a release in there and you'll go, no, I got this. Not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. I'm trying to give analogies so you understand this feeling that comes when you fight it out long enough in Christ. If you're working out and you put enough heavy weight on the bar... Uh-oh. No, I got it. You don't, I'm not all the way up yet, but I got this. I, I, I know. Like, there's some point that you get to and you just know that you got it. Hey, guys, keep fighting until you know you got it. Just keep fighting. Just keep pushing. Just keep going forward. But it's discouraging. It's taken me years. Amen. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Keep going forward. Keep resisting so that the enemy will flee from off of you. Amen. Go to verse 15. Verse 15. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped. Uh, I'm sorry, that's 16. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Do you realize that they won this battle without having to fight? They won this battle because they prayed and got men posted. Because they started to eliminate fear. They remember God and they got ready to fight. And you know what happened to the enemy? Took off. Tuck tail and run even before the fight. Us just getting ready for the fight will cause us to win certain battles. You just being prepared and saying, I'm ready to fight this out. We're going to do this right now. You being ready will cause some of the enemy's schemes. He realized, oh, I can't. That scheme was determined on you not being aware of Him. It was a sneak attack. The only way He was going to win was for you not to be ready for it. But now that you're ready, it eliminates some of that. Verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work. Pastor Matt. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Okay, you have to forgive me. I was a school teacher. So we've got this going on. So after all this has gone on, did you read it? That each one had a sword. Oh, this is a massive sword, by the way. This is really a sword that's designed to be carried with two hands, isn't it? Right? This is This is what this is. But what they were supposed to do is this. It would have been more efficient to say, let me put my sword down so that I can do the work. Or, let me put my shovel down so I can really fight the enemy. But what's going on right here in this passage? Those who carried materials, verse 17, did their work with one hand... Hang on. Alright. Alright, I got it. One hand. And carried the sword in the other. Sometimes it could feel a little bit ridiculous and a little bit inefficient to have to worry about this, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be easier to do one or the other? But there are some times in your lives to win the battle. You know what you need to do? I'm going to do it one-handed. You know why? Because I'm not going to let the enemy come in. He's not going to beat me. And you know what? I'm still going to get my work done. It's going to take me a little bit longer. But you know what? I'm going to get this work done. You know why? Because his strength is working in me. I'm going to get the work of the Lord done in my life. If I have to remove the mountains that are before me, one shovel one-handed at a time, I'm going to keep going until that mountain is flattened out before me. What about you? What about you? What do you have in your hands? Do you have a sword so that... What is, what is the sword always representative of in the, in the Word of God? In the very Word of God. Wouldn't it be more efficient? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be more efficient to set it down? Well, it may be more efficient, but that's not where we are. I'm trying to rebuild a wall here. We're trying to build a family here. We're trying to build this church. We're trying to see you reach your potential in Christ. You know what that means? That means you're going to have to take up a sword sometimes. And you're just going to have to keep it with you. And even if it does what you think it does, which would slow you down, we're going to trust. I'm going to trust because what happens... What happens if you need a sword and you don't have it? I had a, a young man at an event, the other day, I think I shared this, and he we almost had a, an issue of domestic violence right there at our little pool party that we were having for cares. And you know what I had with me? I had the word of God with me. Big, steroided- up, muscle dude. Big, angry. Hey, man, hey, here's what I need you to do, big guy. I need you to shut up and calm down. Okay. Glad that worked. (laughs) Hey, man, I got the authority of the word of God with me. Because if I didn't, this was going to be rough. I'm not saying I wouldn't get all up in the middle of that. I'm just saying it was going to be rough for somebody. Hey, we need to have this kind of mentality. We're going to do the work of the Lord and we're going to hold His sword in our hand. We're not going to let it go. Just like that day, we've, the Scripture says that our hand should freeze to the sword. I never had the experience of that until just a few months ago and realized, you know what caused that? Hours and hours and hours and hours of work. And I didn't let it go. And we just kept going. What is your hand frozen to today? Is it frozen to the sword? Hmm. Let's turn, keep your place there in in Nehemiah and turn to Psalm chapter 25. (coughs) Psalm chapter 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. I'm going to remind you that. I'm going to read that again intentionally. The repetition is something I intentionally am doing right now. Psalm 25, verse 3. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Ever. If we have the full, our full hope in Him, you will never be put to shame. There will be other people that will try to throw shame your way. There will be other things that try to make you feel ashamed. But the truth is, is you will not be put to shame if your hope is in Him. Period. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. The Bible says, "If you put your hope in Him, you will not be ashamed." Have you ever had just shame wash over you before? I remember being a kid and doing things and being so ashamed and embarrassed. I remember what it felt like to have things wash over me, like, "Oh, I wish I could go! I wish I could be invisible in this moment." I'm so embarrassed because I did the wrong thing or I said the wrong thing alright, whatever, I failed and I was in front of everybody. This word says, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. This is, a, this is a, an encouraging word that we need to hear. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Let's go back to Nehemiah. We're going to wrap this up. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to fast forward ahead just a little bit. Nehemiah chapter 6, the starting verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Amen. They kept going, right? Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Do you hear how this is going? They worked with all their heart and the and the wall was halfway up. In chapter three they're building the 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 gates, but they don't have the doors in them. Now we've got the walls halfway up. Now the wall's all the way up, but there's still no doors in the gate. There's still vulnerable points in the, in the in the wall here. Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent this message, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Your understanding of the vision and the mission that God has for your life will help you answer correctly whether you know that someone is scheming against you or not. The answer is right here we are carrying on a great project. I don't have time. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I don't have time to stop what I'm doing and go and be distracted. This is not an, I'm not talking about being willing to help a brother. What I'm saying is someone who's pulling you off, pulling you away, sending you back, calling you to do something else that God has not intended for you to do. You've got too good of a work here. You've got too important of a thing that's going on in your life right now. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. (laughs) Dad, 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 daddy, dad. Hey, dad, pop, dad. I've had young kids in my house. And when I'm not paying attention enough, that's the way it sounds. Hey, dad, dad, dad. (sighs) This is what they're doing to Nehemiah. Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. What I'm doing is too important. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. You know why the Bible says it was unsealed? Because it was unverified. It was unsealed. In which was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says it is true. I read it on the internet. <laughs> I saw this news report on Facebook and it said, please don't ever do that to me. I saw the news report on Facebook. I'm just going to be like, "Nope." I don't care what it was. Nope, not true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and, they're, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to come become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. This is a, there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. Verse 8, I sent this reply to him. Amen for this reply. Nothing like what you said is happening. The sky is not falling. No one is so mad at me that the king is about to throw me out of this entire kingdom, this is not the case. You are just making it up out of your head. I love the word. You're just making that up. Verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. God, what an important task. They're building a wall. All this opposition for one wall. But look at what it says right after that. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. You know why? Because even he knew that they kept coming against him. But there's something about when you're buffeted, when you're constantly in the battle, you can get tired. He's saying, I'm not going to stop, but Lord, I need, to, I need to renew your strength in me so that I can accomplish your will. Verse 10, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, son of Mehetebel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Don't you love that? Nehemiah is a governor. Ezra was the priest of that time. The book before in the Bible is Ezra. Ezra was the priest same time as Nehemiah here. Nehemiah's the governor. He said, hey, you think I'm going to run away? You think I'm going to do that? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Even if someone is trying to get you to do what seems to be good. Hey, man, come on. I mean, we're just trying to save your life here. Man, I'm not even worried about that. That's not truth. You're trying to dissuade me from what God has called me to do and nothing Nothing will pull me off this task. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. guy seemed legit, but he he was a hired thug. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. The enemy always wants to discredit us, doesn't he? If I can't get you to fail... Maybe I can't get you to completely stop, but maybe I can get you derailed enough where you'll discredit yourself. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess uh, Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. (laughs) What does he do? He takes it to the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm taking my issues to you and I'm going to keep going with what I'm supposed to keep going on. Verse 15, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Everybody say 52 days. 52 days. All of that took place in a, in a one and a half month time span. All of this adversity, all of it, every day, four, five times a day, they keep coming out, they're buffeting him against, they're coming against him, they're coming against him, they're coming against him. You know what he does? Just keep working. Just keep working until it's done. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. <laughs> you can laugh at me while the, while the wall is still 50% done. You can make fun of me before the doors are put on there. You can try to belittle me because there are weak spots in the wall. But once I get done with this, you know what's going to happen? You know why the enemy fights so hard against you and what you're supposed to do? Think about somebody like the Vincents. They're less than 90 days away from, from heading out. What if they would have stopped along the way somewhere 10 years ago? What if they would have quit building their wall and their function... Four years ago. This is why the enemy fights so hard against us. When all our enemies had heard this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Your life is supposed to be a testimony. Your life is supposed to be Something that makes the enemy's knees quake when it's done. You may not feel like that today, but I'm gonna look at you and say, maybe you're only halfway done with the wall. Maybe you're on day six of your 52 days. You know what you need to do? You need to keep working. You need to keep going forward. You need to keep moving forward for you, for your family for your household, for those who are under your authority, you need to keep moving forward because it matters. Every time you hear a lie of the enemy trying to whisper in your ear, trying to whisper in your heart, you know what you're going to do? You're not going to allow fear to come in. I think that this is a timely word for our church. Can I be hon- I'm going to be very, very honest with you. This morning, you know what I was having to wrestle with? Lord, I don't think this is a fancy enough word for our people. This morning, I told it to Pastor Matt. I said this seems kind of simple to me, Lord. It seems kind of straightforward. Do I have enough scriptures for our people? I went, "Lord, you know what? All I can do is give them what you gave me. That's all I can do. Because you're so great." You are awesome and I trust You, Lord. I trust You that what's going to be said today is going to encourage people and it's going to move them forward towards their destiny so that they will fight and be victorious in You. I have to trust in that. I had 15 other scriptures that I had listed here. 18 other scriptures that I had listed here. Amen. If you want those scriptures, you come up after And they are law prophet writing from Old and New Testament about what we said. I will give them to you freely. But you know what I want you to remember? We've got to keep battling. You've got to battle for your family. This is the right fight to be involved in. Don't let fear get there. Remember how good God is to you. And fight. Keep fighting. If you're too tired to get your arms up to swing anymore then pray. (laughs) We'll post a guard next to you. We'll stand with you. And you keep fighting. If if you're too tired to swing anymore, well then start kicking. (laughs) If you're too tired to kick, well then bite somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think that God responds to those when we're tenacious towards doing what He wants us to do? Don't Don't you remember in Psalm 25 it says that Those who put our real hope, our trust in him, will never be put to shame. It's not possible for you to stand before him ashamed if you go after him with all you have. I would rather fall flat on my face going all out for him than stay reserved and worried about failing before him. The only way that I can fail is if I don't go all out. I've already failed. Would you stand to your feet?